This is the Demand Excellence Podcast with Jonathan Guess, head football coach of Eagles Landing Christian Academy on the south side of Atlanta. Coach Guess is the author of the book, Demand Excellence, on and off the field. And he is the creator and founder of the website, redeemthegame.com. The goal of the Demand Excellence Podcast is to encourage, equip, and entertain Christian leaders and coaches across the world. All right, hope everybody's having a great day today. I have on the podcast today Coach James Delgado from Riverdale High School in Fort Myers, Florida. The reason why I called Coach Delgado and asked him to be on the podcast is because Coach Nate Allball, who I interviewed the other day, who owns Chief Pigskin, he travels the country interviewing coaches for his business And he said that James Delgado was one of the most loving and dynamic coaches he had met while he was on the road. So I wanted to meet him. I wanted to talk with him. I wanted to see who he is and what's he all about. And he was right. Coach Delgado is a very dynamic guy. He's a strong Christian man who coaches to build young men for the glory of Jesus Christ. He is a winner. He um, played high school football at Apopka, coached at Apopka, and and three years ago he went to Riverdale. His second year in last year, they went 10-0 in the regular season. So he's doing things the right way. He's having success. It was a pleasure to talk with him. Make sure that you listen to the prayer I mean, after the prayer, because he and I continue to talk a little bit after the prayer. And for you coaches out there, I think it's... So, Coach, you've been at Riverdale, I think this is your third year, correct? Yeah, we're going into year three, yes, sir. So, you know, I know last year in the regular season you went undefeated. Tell us a little bit about Riverdale before you got there and what you've done. Um have they, have they always been a powerhouse, or or is it because of some of the things that you've done? Talk to us about that. Sure. Um, you know, before I got here, I always felt like there was good athletes at Riverdale, but I think because of lack of vision or maybe coaching or maybe uh, just the, the perfect storm, you had a lot of kids that maybe started out here but would transfer to other schools. Um, and in this area in Lee County, they have school choice. They've had school choice way before state legislature passed their laws here in Florida. Um, kids here could pretty much choose where they wanted to go. And they had an option between an, uh, maybe four schools that are in, a, in an area, in a zone. So kids that maybe came here and were talented would get picked off and, and you know, they'd end up somewhere else all of a sudden. And they'd go off to college and have decent careers. Um, but you could tell that they also weren't being prepared for what maybe as good as they could be, you know, that maybe there was something left on the table that they could have gotten more out of their high school experience. And so I felt like Riverdale before I got here was kind of a diamond in the rough because it's kind of on the outskirts of town, you know, Fort Myers is a great place to live. It's a great place to be. Uh, we're on the East side, kind of further away from the beach, further away from, um, you know, a lot of the hustle and bustle and it's a little more rural. We get a great mix of kids here. And I think that, you know, coming here, I really, when I interviewed, didn't, I, I, I really wasn't looking to leave where I was going or where I was. 
it was just kind of a, a casual deal. I knew God was kind of drawing me to do something new. Um, I felt like we had done everything I could do while I was at Apopka. Um, and that I knew that regardless if I was at Apopka or not, things there would keep rolling the way they have for so long, long before me, and, and they'll continue to long after. So I just felt like coming to a new place, taking on a new task, it was going to be a situation where I wanted to have an opportunity to take all the great things we've done at Apopka for so long and, and take it to a whole, whole new set of school of kids, a whole new culture, a whole new campus. Um, and I think that's what we've been able to do. And, you know, you look at our, our season last year. Yes, we were extremely successful in the regular season. Um, and some of that had to do with schedule and had to do with the talent that we had and obviously the ability to get those guys working together and believing in what we were doing, um, believing in their coaches. Um, but I, I'll definitely say that we've, we've fought hard to change the culture on this campus, um, not just within the football program, but in everything that we do. You know, I think our kids carry themselves differently than when we first got here. I believe the football players are leaders on our campus and hopefully they're leading in ways that, you know, they've seen their coaches lead. Um, so I, I definitely know we're making a difference for, for eternity here. I know that we're doing things that the devil ain't happy about. Um, and you know, we're, we're, we're constantly under attack for that, you know, but I know, I know for a fact that we're right where we're supposed to be. You know, my wife and I just had our first, a first child. Um, so we had a little girl this past July, uh, and that's obviously a game changer, Yeah, but you know, us welcoming her into the world and, and being here in Fort Myers um, and being at Riverdale High School, it's, it, there's a lot of little things that have just kind of been nods that God's reminded me, hey, no matter what you're going through, no matter what every day may look like, I've got you. I've got you right where you're supposed to be. And that's been, that's been really special for us as a family. Talk about... Because it's just it's evident that that you're a Christian football coach. Talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you know? Did you grow up in a Christian home? I mean, how did God sure. bring you your journey here to this point? So you know, I grew up in a Christian home, and, and it was a single. It was in a lot of ways, it was a single parent who was the Christian, and I had a stepdad who was not. Um, and you know, mom did an incredible job of keeping us grounded and making sure that we were going to have all the values instilled that we needed to have. I mean, when it came right down to it, it was what she said is what went. And so I grew up going to church, you know, whether it was with my mom or when I was with my grandma, if it was with her, you know, I just grew up in the church. Um, and I ha I've had a relationship with Jesus Christ for the better part of my life without a doubt. Um, but I think what really transformed my life was the fact that I grew up with Christian coaches. And so by the time I was in high school and I started playing football, I saw godly men coaching the game that we loved and making a difference right where they were. And, um, God, did that impact me because I didn't have an example of what a godly man really looks like up close and personal. Yeah. You know, I saw pastors and I saw other men at church, but I didn't get to see them in their day-to-day -day life. I didn't get to see them interact with their families. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, but my coaches taught me that. And 
in, in, in growing up with that and experiencing it firsthand as a player. Um, when I got into coaching, it was just apparent to me that as a coach, this is, this is the way it's supposed to be done. And what's funny is I guess to me, that's not transformational. That's not something that's like earth shattering. That's not something that, that is so such a big deal to me. It was just the norm. I assumed that all coaches were that way. Right. I didn't know any better. And so I got into college and then I realized, Oh, okay. It's a little different. You know, yeah. the whole different set of set of expectations or even motivations for why people do what they do. Um, and I just felt like God had his hand on me the entire time when I was a player, when I was a young coach, just kind of giving me these nuggets of this is the way it's supposed to be done. This is, you know, I got to see the good and the bad and the ugly and everything in between. And I feel like my entire life I've been fortunate to grab the good and learn from the bad and avoid the ugly stuff. And um, I, I think that it's just shown up in my coaching career. And there's been times where I just don't, <laughs> there's days where I wake up and I'm like, man, I was a dang good assistant. You know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, I'm a, I don't know if I'm a freaking good head coach at all. Sometimes I wonder. Um, but I know that God's got me right where I am because I realize that I'm not only coaching kids anymore. I'm not only making a difference, um, at that level, but I'm also coaching coaches. And I know that the coaches that I work with, um, are just having a transformational experience as well because of the way that I approach coaching. And so it's changing them for the better. And it's, it's just really special to see how, how God's really moving, um, not just within our program, but within our community. And I think it's even stretching to the other area schools. Uh, it's pretty neat. Absolutely. So coach, so you, you played high school football for some Christian coaches. Talk about, you know, yeah. where you, where you went to high school and then college and where you first started as a high school football coach. Okay, sure. So I went to Apopka high school. So I played for coach Darlington. I played for Rick Darlington. I played for Jeff Rawson and then their staff. And they had a tremendous staff when I was in high school, you know, they had just come in and, basically we're in the process of turning a program around that, you know, has had rich tradition in years past, but had kind of fallen off recently. And so when they got there and you're talking about uh, the late nineties, early two thousands, they had their hands full with, with changing a culture. But again, they had talent, you know, the, the, the talent in that area has always been rich. The tradition has always been rich. And, and myself as a player, I wasn't a part of that talent. What I was, was uh, a guy who was really consistent and I worked hard, but, um, I can tell you that when, when we just bought into what we were doing, it was amazing to see how God just was all over the special season we had. We ended up winning the first state championship in high school, in that high school's history when I was a junior, and, you know, I was playing as a junior and I was the I was probably the weakest and the un, most undersized offensive lineman on that line. Um, and there was a bunch of dominant players that I was lined up with. And, and we were able to do some things that were really special and overcome all kinds of adversity um, and defeat all kinds of odds. And, and we just, it was amazing to see God honor some of the things that we committed to doing as a, as a team 
and what, what our coaches led us to do, you know? And yeah. so that was an incredible experience as a high school player, not only growing as a man, growing into who I was going to be in the future, um, but seeing also the fruit of it, you know, being able to see what, what winning culture looks like day in and day out. And, you know, I ended up finishing my high school career and coach Darlington and coach Ralston ended up when I graduated and went off to college, they took a job going up to Valdosta and were there for a few years and had a, had a good go there, but obviously a um, whole different set of expectations at a program that's like Valdosta. And so while they were away, I was in college. I went to Weber International University, and back then they had just started football, um, so it was a brand-new program. Uh, and that was also a neat experience for me because as a guy who was an effort guy, and I was a smart kid, I was able to kind of get a pretty amazing package at an NAI school, at a private school that, you know, obviously costs more than a state school. But with, with academics and then with football money thrown in, I was able to be the first one that went off to college in my family and kind of do some of those things. And I was a finance major, you know, I was in college and, you know, I definitely sowed my oats in college and and had a great time doing it, but also um, made some of the best friendships and relationships that still we, we continue today. And I was able to apply so many of the principles that I had learned at the high school level to what we were doing in the college um, at the college level. And it was amazing. Like I would not change any of it. Um, we didn't win a bunch. It being a new program, it was rough. Uh, by the time I was a senior, we ended up doing some pretty special things for at least our level, but, uh, it was still one of those deals where it afforded me the opportunity to get, to get my degree. And, um, immediately after I was done playing, I knew I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Again, I was a finance major. I thought I'd work in corporate America, really didn't have a clue. By that time, I was dating my now wife. Uh, We had met in college in our junior year, and so she was still finishing up. And again, I wasn't in a rush to go figure out what I was doing. I was kind of enjoying, you know, being right where I was, and I got the opportunity to become a graduate assistant. So Kelly Scott uh, was the head coach at that time my senior year as I was transitioning, I had worked some camps and done some things and he kind of seen me and he knew what kind of a person I was. He said, you know, you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, honestly, coach, no. He (laughs) said, well, I'd love for you to try it. He's like, I'd love for you to try it. And I'd love for you to be a graduate assistant. You know, you'd get your master's paid for. And he hooked me with that because at that time it was kind of like having a master's was still new, but I knew everybody was moving towards that. You know, and I said, well, I can get my master's paid for it. It gives me a couple more years to figure out what I want to do. Um, you know, and, and it, it truly changed my life because in that, in that next spring, immediately after being done playing, I'm out there coaching guys that I, some of which I played alongside of, some of which had transferred in. And I made that transition from a player to a coach so seamlessly, I think that it impressed a lot of people, but it also was a deal where I got mentored by so many great coaches from a coach to coach basis, from a peer to peer basis. I learned so much in a fast. And and here's the great thing about being a graduate assistant at that level is you do everything, you know, at the, as a GA at the NAI level, you are, you're a freaking full-time recruiter. You're a full-time uh, position coach. You're a full-time equipment manager. You're full-time, whatever, you know, you're doing it all. So, I got such a crash course course in what it meant to be 
to be a college coach and the hours and everything else. We just grinded that when I was done with my master's and I took my first high school job, um, I was fortunate because it was just such a God thing when uh, I told you Coach Darlington and Coach Ralston went up to Valdosta. They were there for a few years. They did some things really well, and they still got ran out of town. And so when they came back, Coach Darlington ended up back at Apopka. Coach Ralston decided to go be the head guy at Osceola, which is in Kissimmee, another really rich tradition uh, program school. And so while I was GAing, Coach Ralston's back at Osceola, and he kind of pursued me to hey, say, hey, I'm here. I want you to come coach with me. And at that time, I was still working on my master's, and I wasn't even entertaining high school football at the time. I just wanted to get my degree, and I thought I'd maybe go coach in college when I was done. And um, he and I would talk, but it really wasn't serious. Well, when I got my degree, by then I knew I needed to make an honest man out of myself, and I knew I needed to make a little bit of money. And so, you know, chasing the college dream um, of coaching – you know, and even trying to GA at another school somewhere, anywhere across the country, obviously wasn't panning out. So I said, well, let me look at a high school gig. At least I know I can make some money. Um, had I stayed at Weber, which was an option, I just wouldn't have been able to make a living, which was okay. But I also knew I wanted to marry that girl. And so I knew I, knew I better start thinking long-term. And right. um, I ended up joining Coach Ralston. He made me his offensive coordinator, which was just an incredible experience, such a, such a learning experience for me. And to coach again, under a godly man who ran his program, the way I grew up in high school um, and, and, and just did it so eloquently that it was clear to me that I had done exactly what I needed to um, in going into high school football. And I saw the impact that we could make firsthand at that level. And I've never looked back. You know, two years later, I ended up joining Coach Darlington back at Apopka, and we had a great run there for six years, and it was kind of a deal where I thought I'd never go back and, and coach with him because I wasn't sure if he'd respect me as a coach or if he'd always look at me as a former player, but best decision I ever made was going back to Apopka and working with him because we worked so well together, and, you know, he respected me so much as a coach, and it truly – has propelled me to where I am now. You know, it's made me a better coach, made me a better man, taught me so much about life. Um, and now, you know, as a young head coach, I feel like I'm still learning every day, but there's people that look at me like I've got all the answers and it's really strange to be honest. And so every day I'm praying, yeah, I'm praying for wisdom, you know, I'm praying for, for, for guidance and, and, um, I'm, I'm definitely getting tested and, and, and stretched, but uh, I am loving it. I really am. In year three, I've got way more ha- gray hair than I did in year one, um, but it is it is special. Talk about so you know that that's your past. That's kind of the 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 road that God had you travel before you became a head coach at Riverdale, and and obviously you're a single wing guy. Talk about your philosophy as a football coach. But not just not just X's and O's, but how you're trying to build men in the process. Sure. Um, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I, I am a single wing guy because it's what we did when we were at Apopka. And it really stemmed from our personnel at the time. When we got to Riverdale, our personnel was kind of similar. You know, we've got decent offensive linemen, some kids that were definitely big up front and 
we had some skilled guys that I thought it would fit. Um, and it, it obviously worked for us this past year. And we're still doing it now and believing in it. And our kids believe in it. And it's working for us. Uh, it's a system deal for sure. But when it comes to building men and when it comes to our philosophy and coaching, everything we do, we are, we are trying. And it, it's really our mission to make a difference right where we are, right where we And we're trying to be present where our feet are. But also having our guys understand that, listen, this isn't about you as a football player. This isn't about growing you as a football player as much as it is about growing you as a man. You know, we want to see you become better employees. We want to see you become better sons and eventually become better husbands and better fathers and the future leaders of our country. And we, we expect a lot out of our kids. And I think sometimes that's used against us, you know, when it comes to younger kids coming up and it's like, Oh, well, if you go there, you're going to end up, you know, it's more military than it is football. And that's not really the case because our kids know that we love them and that they, they, they know that the part of the discipline that we instill is truly love. Um, and so I think that there's without a doubt a difference in the young men who have been in our program or the ones that are in our program because of the expectations we set on them. But it, it really does transcend the football field. I mean, it's cool that we're doing that offensively and that's definitely old school. But I think when it comes to the expectations we have for our guys, when it comes to um, their ability to handle adversity and kind of be put in positions where maybe it's unpleasant, they, they know that it's a little bit of an old school approach, but it's a proven approach. You know, more of us grew up with that than didn't. And, you know, I can't say that I can't say that that's the only way there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, but I will say is that I don't know how many right ways there are to do it. And right. so since I've seen it, since I've experienced it as a player and I've experienced it as a coach, to me, it's the only way I know. And I tell my guys that often. I, I kind of apologize. And I'm like, look, I got to tell you, I'm sorry, but this is the only way I know. So, you know, we have to be like-minded in that. And our kids have embraced it. And that makes it special. That makes it possible. And I, not only our kids, our administration, our faculty, our staff, everybody is so on board with the way we're doing things that it's, it's become really special. And it's amazing to see the support. You know, this is not really off topic, but it's something that just happened today. You know, today is Thursday. Every Thursday we have FCA going on and they meet in my office, which is like a classroom um, that holds about, it holds about 35 kids in it, but we do it four times a day during all four lunches. And so we, our school's so big that we have to have four lunches. But what happens is on Thursdays, the kids that want to participate in FCA and come hang out, they come down to my room. And so we have, we have, four youth pastors that come in on a weekly basis and hang out and they bring in cookies and drinks. And once a month, um, we have food brought in and all that stuff is paid for and and sponsored. And we have, uh, you know, uh, today, this morning, our football team practiced before school. We do that on Thursdays. And and one of the local community members wanted to feed our boys. Um, One of the churches, we also practice on Monday mornings. One of the churches right now has pre-made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the guys and bottled water as they're walking in the building at 4.45 in the morning. They're getting a sandwich. They're getting something to drink and a, and a freaking high five or a hug from one of our youth pastors. 
there's so many little things like that that go on on a daily basis that it just makes me shake my head. It kind of gives me chills and says, man, God is so good. Um, and, and it, it's just, I'll tell you, man, I, I oftentimes think, and I've thought this a lot of times, like there's no way that I deserve how good God's been to me. There's no way it just doesn't, there's nothing that I could ever do to make it to where I've earned any of it. I just haven't. And, um, I think our kids see that and I hope that they see, you know, some of the humility that I have with those things and that it, it transcends, um, the game of football and kind of helps them through the, through the game of life. So coach, you bring your guys in at four forty-five on Monday mornings. Yes, sir. How, so uh, we have a 5. AM, we have a 5. AM locker room check. We're on the field at five fifteen, and we're rolling. Wow. And uh, we're off the field before school starts on Mondays. And there's a million reasons why we're doing that now. You know, the weather down here this time of year is crazy with afternoon showers and thunderstorms. And then also, you know, with the heat, there's no guarantee that on a really sunny day with some of the things that they have implemented now, we could be limited to being on the field for only an hour. And on that hour, we might only be in helmet. And so if we're, if we're practicing the game of football, to me, it's incredibly dangerous not to practice. So now you're losing technique and now you're losing the ability to go out and do your job at a high level. And so now bad things are going to happen on game day, you know, and hopefully we're preventing injuries by preparing the way we are. So yes, sir. On, on Monday mornings, we are here uh, no later than 5 a.m. So guys are rolling in as early as 4:30, and um, on Thursday mornings earlier today, we're here no later than 515 because we don't need as much time on the field on a Thursday. So um, those guys are rolling in here as early as 445, you know? So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty special. And like I said, for those guys to be fed and and just loved on and and I remind them, listen, don't you ever take any of this for granted because you know, as soon as you do, you lose it, but um, it's, it's kind of neat. Well, the fact that you can have practice uh, and call roll at 5 a.m. and uh, all your kids be there speaks to the organization and, and discipline and expectations of your team. Uh, last yeah. thing I you know the last thing I want to ask you because um, this is what really intrigued me about you besides a lot of the other things that Nate Allball said, but he just said he he watched one of your workout sessions and he just said it was this is what he said he said it was the most organized hour of development he has ever seen. So I want to know exactly what you do. (laughs) (laughs) I think he gave me a little too much credit. Um, What I will say is that here we're on block schedules. So that gives us the opportunity to have almost an hour and a half with our kids. It's a little less than that when you're talking about dressing in and dressing out, but with us having the majority of our players in a weightlifting class, um, we're able to get after it year round. And to me, that's, that's the first thing we had to do when we got here was we had to change the culture in the weight room um, and change the work culture, because I think it was very much a casual thing. If you played football, it's like, Oh yeah, show up and show up at the end of July, you know, 
let's roll the ball out and you'll be done in freaking November because you ain't going to make it any further. Right. And uh, we'll see you next July or whatever. We'll see you during spring ball at the end of April. Well, we had to change that mentality right away. And that started in the weight room. So I, you know, I took the job and we, I started at the beginning of January, my first, my first year here. And that was what we did. We just grinded. We got after it in the weight room and we found out who had character and who didn't real quick in the weight room. And, um, I've been fortunate the whole time I've been here to have a strength coach by the name of Mike Romano, who's extremely organized and hardworking. Um, and so over the years, we've kind of developed what we're doing now based off of what I've seen when I was at Apopka, what I saw and what we did when I was at Osceola and what we did at, at Weber and, and obviously um, what I've seen done and talked to guys with at the college level and, and with other people that I respect. And we've kind of made our own, our own um, fit in the weight room. But I think one thing we do really well is we just – we try to make sure everything we do in there is fast um, and it's done for a reason. We're not wasting any movement. We're not doing things just because everybody else is doing it. We're, we're trying to make sure our kids understand the importance of, of why they do what they do. And they understand the importance of having the right mentality, having the right, um, the right approach every day in there. And, and the coach, to be honest, the, the group that uh, coach Alball got to see get after it was, was our, our then freshmen. And now those kids are sophomores and that's a special group of kids. They're guys that, that have bought in and and work and uh, they love that work mentality. And I think that's, what's going to make us good for years to come is the fact that they're wired that way and they've just embraced it. And they, they are willing to lay it down for each other and just go work. Um, and I think that's what made it so special. So, you know, he shouldn't give me as much credit as, as those kids. Um, and definitely coach Romano, you know, a lot of times when I'm in there, I've got so many other things going on. I'm putting out fires and dealing with this or that. It's these other coaches that are making things happen and I'm coming in and I'm just encouraging, or I might coach some technique here or there, or I might write down a new max for a guy, or I might, you know, judge on something that needs to be done or correct something that needs to be fixed. Um, but you know, when it comes to little things that we're doing in there, I've got to credit it to my guys that I work with. Well, that's awesome coach. Well, coach, I, man, I appreciate you talking with me and, um, you know, our, our podcast is all about encouraging and equipping, uh, the, the high school Christian high school football coach and any other, uh, Christian leaders out there and uh, man it was awesome talking with you it's evident that that God is really using you to impact the community there in uh, Fort Myers and you know uh, always in the show praying I hope you uh, are willing I know you yeah, are <laughs> absolutely Lord we're coming for you today this is, is going to make for the yeah go ahead no go ahead it's going what I was going to say finishing it with prayer is going to make this the best podcast I've ever been a part of yeah man no doubt <laughs> Lord, we come before you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. And, and first and foremost, Lord, we praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. We all are victorious in the work of Jesus Christ, Lord. I praise and thank you for Coach Delgado. And Lord, what you're doing uh, through him there at Riverdale High School and how you are using him and his coaching staff to in- impact the players 
the, the students at the school, uh, Lord, the community. I pray for Coach Delgado, Lord, that you would just continue to bless uh, him and his family. Uh, Lord, that you would just continue to give him strength to endure uh, during football season to um, proclaim your name because, Lord, Satan does attack and, and Satan does not like uh, men who are, are in this business to glorify you and build your kingdom. And so, Lord, I just pray your blessings upon him and uh, give them a great football season. Keep his boys healthy, uh, Lord, and I pray that they reach their full potential. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Amen. Appreciate it, I look, man. I look forward to checking out this podcast and being a part of it. And I'm, I'm so thankful and humbled uh, that you, you let me be a part. And I'll tell you, for those who are listening, I think the best thing that we can do for each other is just continue to uphold each other in prayer and consider each other and know that what we're doing is, is not liked by the devil. Just like you said, it's something that we are constantly under attack and we need to be, we need to be, in check we have to be supporting each other and checking on one another and really upholding each other because you know it's natural for us to become weak in this time of the year we've got so many things going on where all of a sudden we're susceptible to attack and obviously the battles we deal with you know we're not dealing with flesh and blood but we're fighting against principalities and powers and if we're not if we're not prayed up and we're not locked in spiritually then we're really susceptible to getting caught and i think it's just one of those deals where it's almost like our immune system just starts to break down and all of a sudden you get into the thick of it and and before you know it you've got the flu or or bronchitis or whatever and um at that point it's almost too late to do anything about it and so it's just like you got to be preventative beforehand um and that's what excites me about you know so many of the guys that i love and respect is that I know they've got my back and I've got theirs, but you know, being a part of this with you, um, I just excites me even more because I think now it just makes the it makes the reach of those who might be praying that much bigger, and it excites me that I might be able to pray for some of the guys that that you're going to continue to interview and and reach out to. So I, I hope it stretches far and wide, um, not not for me as a man, but just for all of us. Uh, as we continue to do what God's work is. Absolutely, man. They say, uh, Billy Graham said, coaches impact more people than anybody. And um, That's right. And we just got to keep doing it right. And it's like you said, Coach, um, you know, you get tired and you get exhausted during football season. And, and really only football coaches understand and understand that exhaustion. <laughs> And, uh, mm-hmm. and that, is when, that is when you're susceptible to attack. And so what we got to do is be strong in the Lord. What you just said, Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the strength yep. of his might. And there's a lot of things that exhaust us. And it's because of worry mm-hmm. and stress and anxiety, things that God right. wants us to give to him. And um, that's I right. That's the prayer for us Christian coaches out there. But, man, I appreciate you, man. It's awesome. Hey, appreciate you too. It was a pleasure. Um, and I look forward to, to hearing the rest of your podcast. I wish you the best this season. Yes, sir. You too. Appreciate it, coach. All right. All right. Take care. Yes, Bye-bye. Sir. Bye.
are the scared and trembling We are the desperately lost We are the lone and hopeless We are the outcast orphans We are the ones no one wants But our Father is gone And you gave us a hope 